Bienvenidos. Welcome to episode eight of Your Healing Nature, a weekly podcast about how Black, Indigenous people of color are reclaiming the outdoors to heal individual and or collective trauma. I'm your host, Brenda Bissa, and today I have the pleasure of speaking with Sonia and Nakoda Staples. Sonia and Nakoda are the founders of Staples Intense and Black People Off-Roading. In this episode, they share their collective root story, how Mother Nature helped save their marriage, their transition from corporate life to entrepreneurs and outdoor advocates, why representation matters, and so much more. Enjoy. Today, I am so excited to hear from Sonia and Nakoda Staples. Nakoda and Sonia make up the husband and wife duo of Staples and Tents, an Atlanta-based camping, adventure travel, and lifestyle blog. As college sweethearts, they've always had a passion for travel and adventure, but after several years, found themselves at a challenging place in their marriage and discovered camping as a way to say yes to each other and yes to the world. The discovery of camping led them to overlanding, where their passion for outdoor travel, adventure, rejuvenated their love for each other and gave them a common purpose while allowing them to play to their individual strengths and grow closer together. After only a few years as overlanders, they've traveled from east to west coast multiple times and internationally to South and Central America to explore and to share their experiences about camping, overlanding, cultural exchanges, and nature, with a hope to inspire others to get outside of their comfort zone. The couple is currently in the process of trading in their life as city dwellers to lead a nomadic lifestyle and see the world. Welcome, Sonia Nakoda. Thank you. Thank you, Brenda. Because overlanding is so central to what you do, can we start with what is overlanding? Because I heard it for the first time from you, Sonia, back in July. And I had no idea about this. And so if you could start with telling us a little bit about overlanding, what does it mean to be an overlander? So uh, overlanding is essentially vehicle-based travel. Uh, So you're relying on your vehicle um, for your living arrangements and you're traveling through different countries, being more immersed into the cultures that you're experiencing as you're traveling. Mm -hmm. And typically overlanders, um, like Nakota was saying, they're fairly self-sufficient. They carry their own water, um, extra fuel, solar, you know, can really just, you know, live off of grid. And a lot, oftentimes they are on they're traveling off-road, so more scenic routes as opposed to just highways. But overlanding covers a wide variety of travel. Um, You can overland and, you know, stay on the highway. You can go off-road. And people oftentimes stay in hotels throughout um, along the way as well. It really is one of those where um, you definitely are using your vehicle and you're relying on it. But when you get into some country, let's say that you want to stay there a little bit longer, Uh, Maybe you need to check into a hotel to decompress or wash clothes, resettle yourself, get everything back in order, order parts, any of the kind of stuff that uh, might lead you uh, to want to have a more stationary um, uh, tenure somewhere. 
So yeah, it, it has a little, it has a few different components to it, but the biggest part of it is that you're relying on your vehicle uh, as a part of your journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's very similar to the van life phenomenon, um, except it's a little more off grid, a little, a little more remote. Um, and then like, like Nakota was saying, it has that cultural element where it's really focused and going and exploring other cultures. Generally, overlanding is said to have originated in Australia in the early 20th century. The term itself was used to describe the herding of livestock across lengthy and remote stretches of land to open up new grazing grounds or to transport livestock. After years of marriage, Sonia and Nakoda found camping and overlanding at a challenging time in the life of their marriage. In many ways, overlanding helped them to open new ground in their relationship, which led to a newfound understanding of each other. Sonia and Nakoda share with us their collective root story and how overlanding helped them to start healing their marriage. Like you said in our bio, Nakoda and I, we met in college. Um, I was 18, he was 25. It was the year 1998. <laughs> it was a long time ago. Um, but we were, we were college sweethearts and fell in love. And like most relationships, um, the path is not smooth. It is not straight. It is awful bumpy, you know? Um, and somewhere along the, along the way, we lost our way and, and grew further apart. Um, we're really on the verge of divorce. And we, we had been in marriage counseling for a few years. At, At this point, we, we had been in a few, a was, few years. And we were having limited success um, with uh, trying to resolve the issues that were causing us to be so distant. But we, I, it felt like, you know, we were at the final throws or whatever. And it was like, all right, we've tried this counseling thing. We've tried to sort through all of our issues and really still not, just not feeling you. And we loved each other. Yeah. We liked each other, but living together, you know. It was um, too tough. It was, it was tough. Yeah. And, you know, we were having some conversation with our marriage counselor and she gave us the advice to say yes to each other. And it was the oddest I remember that day so well. It was the oddest experience because um, I, at the time I was thinking, I'm always saying yes to her. And she was like, no, I want you to really lean into it and uh, think about that. And so we left. It was a few weeks before Christmas when that really happened. And this was a, a aha moment for us in a sense, or at least for me, and recognizing how much I had been saying no to my wife since day one. Um, we were coming up on Christmas and since um, our counselor had told us to say yes to each other, I was like, well, what is it that you would like to do? And I'm in my mind, this is like, you know, this is gonna be our last Christmas together. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, she was, she was like, I want a Christmas tree. And I was like, what? She was like, I want a Christmas tree. And at that point, I recognized that her entire upbringing up until she met me um, was really, really big Christmas centric. You know, their mom, um, all of the girls in the family really leaned into Christmas. They watched all of the Hallmark Christmas movies. They did all of the Christmassy stuff. And for me, I wasn't really into Christmas like that. Uh, and so when we got together, it was like, yeah, we don't really have to do that. And I felt like she sacrificed that. And so this particular Christmas of Say Yes 
she wanted this humongous tree. We went and got it. All of the trimmings, all of the decorations, all, the all of the things, and everything. all of the things. And I saw her light up in a way that I had never seen. And I've recognized at that point, my God, I had been saying no to her for a very long time. Yeah. So, so months later, um, the opportunity to go camping arose and I had been camping a few times with my best friend nothing consistent and I was like Nakota let's go camping he's like "Uh, I don't know about the thing but I'm supposed to be saying yes so sure let's go camping and at the time you know we didn't have the vehicles that we had now I had a two-door sports car convertible Nakota had uh also a a four-door sports car, but it was still a sports car nonetheless. And his car was bigger, so we drive his car on this camping trip. It was rainy, it was muddy, and it instantaneously put Nicole in a bad mood. So and dark. Don't forget and the it, dark. We, we had to set up in the dark. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. We didn't have our own camp gear. We borrowed my best friend's camp gear. But the next day, it's like the the mood continued to go down and at one point I had to go to Nakota and I'm like Nakota look we can't change how we got here in our relationship we can't change our current circumstances being out here in the rain and the cold camping but we can choose to be happy and live in this moment right here and enjoy it for what it's worth it was a watershed moment it was a watershed moment. And at that time, it's like, it was almost like a Snickers commercial where you eat the Snickers and shake it off and you're a new person. It was almost like he shook it off and he was just this, this, this brand new person in that moment. He was like, okay, I'm going to choose to enjoy myself and I'm going to choose to have fun and be in this moment. And that continued um, in our relationship throughout the weekend and then throughout our relationship because what we found that day which is why this is I think our collective root story is that being outside of nature camping um, it allowed us it was something different that we could learn together and grow together but it also allowed us to get away from home get away from the monotony of being at home, all of the stressors of being in the city and just focus on us, you know, focus on the things that make us happy, um, focus on how well we work together. And, you know, we've learned that through that, that we are such a great team and we are so much better um, when we are out in nature. Nature provided Sonia and Nakoda the space to reroute their marriage, as well as their careers and larger life purpose. As we continue, I asked them how they were able to bring that healing energy found in nature back to their day-to-day lives in the city. Nakoda starts by sharing how the challenges of marriage became easier as they began to play to each other's strengths in the outdoors. Sonia then continues to share how their collective root story has helped them to start a new journey as entrepreneurs and outdoor advocates. I, I think it got a lot easier because if once we found our, or what I wanted to be our thing, uh, or at least my thing, you know, I was really um, gung-ho about the commitment to camping. And I told her that I wanted my own gear. Um, and eventually a few weeks later, it was like, I want my own truck. So let me just say on the way back from this camping trip, Nakota was like, okay, we need a truck. We need a tent. We need everything. <laughs> I need all the things. And I'm like, pump your brakes a little bit. Right. <laughs> Taking advantage of the you have to say yes. 
right, right, right. right. But um, soon, like on the way back from this trip, we we went on Craigslist, we purchased our own tent and we started camping about every four to six weeks just to make sure that that same energy, um, that same healing we were we were keeping we were tapping into yeah we were tapping into more yeah. frequently and the more we tapped into it i think the more we started to recognize um how well we were working together when we we're out in the woods because you're you're reduced to an elemental sense of food uh warmth you know you need a fire and uh, shelter so those become very basic essentials to existence and we need each other. There was a codependence um, that developed really quickly because Sonia had gone camping so many times before me uh, that I felt like she was the more experienced person. So I needed to lean into her experience uh, to figure out how we needed to do camping or, or the campsite, where the tent needed to be, how to even erect the tent because I wasn't very familiar with it. So those were sort of the things that started to show themselves as uh, um, winning and win-win situations for both of us and collaborative working together to maintain the very basics of life. And it then became the very basics of our relationships. Mm -hmm. I think it's so interesting how not only is it the basics of your relationship, but then now you're entrepreneurs. And so I'm wondering if you can talk to how that story, that initial root story, that watershed moment connects to now this completely different chapter in your lives that you're going into, right? As entrepreneurs and outdoor advocates. Yeah. When we first discovered camping, like I said, we recognize all of the healing power associated with it. And the more and more we did it, we realized that when we went out, we didn't see other people that look like us. We didn't see many black and brown people out in the woods. So we realized there was a gap, you know, there, in addition, though, we were also looking on YouTube to try to educate ourselves on what proper camping looked like. And we didn't see any um, people from BIPOC that were representative and showing, hey, this is how you camp. Mm -hmm. So because of that, um, we recognized the gap, we recognized the void, and we wanted to help fill it. You know, we wanted to be those positive images of people thriving outdoors that other people could see. We wanted to be able to share our stories, the good and the bad, because every trip is not a success, you know, and it's okay that it's not a success, but you know, TV is fake, YouTube is fake. It's all fake. You know, we want it to be authentic. We want it to be authentic and we want it to be vulnerable, vulnerable enough to put ourselves out there and show that, you know, sometimes you are cold. Sometimes you do get wet. Sometimes it just doesn't work, you know, but it's okay. You can persevere and you live to be successful the next time, you know, and the, and the good, the bad and the ugly of the gear that you're taking, the good, the bad, the ugly of your experience, um, and the good and bad and ugly within the relationship. You know, all of those things became points of being transparent in a, in a very uh, authentic way. You know, it's, we're going out here and we don't know what we're doing, but we're gonna figure it out. And likewise in our marriage, it was the same kind of thing. And very much so, likewise in becoming entrepreneurs, we're going through that same experience of, 
you just kind of figure it out as you go and you know you you can get advice (laughs) you can get advice you can get opinions from other people you can read a book but at the end of the day it's trial and error and you have to figure out what works for you um relationships the exact same thing what works for us may not work for someone else and what works for another couple may not work for us you just have to kind of get in there and figure it out um but you gotta try you gotta try you gotta try you got to try. And I think that's the thing with camping, with relationships, with friendships, you know, in order to sustain anything, you have to put forth a a level of effort and you have to put work in. Once again, Sonia and Nakoda have said yes to one another as they take the ultimate leap of faith and become full-time overlanders. Inevitably, this means learning to let go of material possessions, or anchors, as Nakoda calls them, that no longer fit the life they are being called to co-create. As they take this unprecedented step, they hope to bring more representation to the overlanding community and to create spaces for BIPOC to grow and heal as they become better versions of themselves. As BIPOC, we sometimes hold on to these anchors as symbols of success, of demonstrating that we did better than those that came before us. This is particularly true for those of us who have been raised in working class households. Yet, Sonia reminds us that we are conditioned to work around the clock to accumulate stuff that does not contribute to our emotional and spiritual well-being. And so Sonia and Nakoda go on to describe the emotional yet stressful process of downsizing and stepping into a new way of being in the world. Go ahead. Yeah, there's no precedent, you know, for what it is that we're doing within our family structures, within our friend structures. Now, I will, I will say that we have benefited um, the, the benefit of the new world and technology and internet, the age of the internet, is we've been able to branch out and find other people who are pouring into us to help us become entrepreneurs, to help us become campers, to help, to us, help become us become overlanders. overlanders. Yeah, there are a lot of really good uh, people um, that are leaning in crossing all of those lines because they recognize the importance of what's going, what is taking place as far as uh, trying to open up the overlanding, the outdoor community um, to BIPOC and to uh, what they, the significance of that and making the overland community more healthy to make the outdoor community more healthy. Um, when you have representation for everyone um, and everyone feels included in that this is their space, uh, that they can go and grow and heal and learn uh, to become better humans, then we all uh, effectively change the planet. You know, we can move collectively in the same direction, but we all have to be at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, you know, it really is a tough transition to even think about. You, <laughs> you, to make the transition from being full-time corporate employees, paying, you know, living in a house, paying mortgage every month, paying bills, to saying we're going to live out of our car. To make that transition is incredibly hard. Like you said, there's really no precedence for it in our lives, no one that we can we can look to. But the one thing that we can say is, well, the one thing I can say is that we work really hard to accrue a lot of stuff. 
you know, and what I've learned is that the stuff, it doesn't fill me up mentally, it doesn't fill me up spiritually, um, it just doesn't, it, it provides no sustenance to you, it's just something for you to look at and touch and see and crowd your life, you know, going through this process um, of streamlining and eliminating things, letting go, letting go and Pairing things down to what we truly need is Whoa. is huge. Yeah. It's huge, and it's been very emotional, very <laughs> stressful. Very stressful. I would have never thought I was so attached to things, to things. And you know, we we've talked about it um, before that my my mother passed away a few years, you know, maybe six years ago at this point, and maybe a year or so before she passed away, she was like, all this stuff, I just have to get rid of all this stuff because it, it clouds your mind, it clouds your judgment. And I did not realize how much all the stuff weighs you down and keeps you where you are. It's an anchor. It's an anchor. Yeah. It, it is truly an anchor. Yeah. So um, although emotional, although stressful. And lots of arguments <laughs> and lots of no's. <laughs> lots of no's. <laughs> like Nakota what do you want to do with this donate it get rid of you know trash it he's like oh we can no baby we gotta (laughs) we we, We no no we cannot keep this so there's a lot of that but we are learning so much about ourselves and um I hope that when we get to a place that we're ready to share this content I hope that we can we can help other people when we do As we continue, Nakoda and Sonia share how their individual family histories shape the way they experience the outdoors. As Nakoda begins, he shares how being back in nature allowed him to start healing severed connections that were created in his pursuit of what mainstream American culture defined as success. While Nakoda was raised in rural Virginia, Sonia was raised in what she describes as suburban teetering on rural. As a Black child growing up in the South, Sonia recalls that traveling was a privilege that was afforded to few in the Black community. However, her involvement in her high school's track team led her to develop an affinity for travel. And so they go on to expand on this family history. Yeah, uh, you know, I had, as we age, um, especially growing up in rural areas, we are conditioned to believe that, and probably everyone um, is conditioned to believe that the, where, where they are in the world um, is not where it's at. And Although you might have joy as a child, you begin that process of the things, the materialistic things, and wanting more um, because you're looking at the neighbor's yard. The the grass is greener somewhere else. And by the time you become an adult, you're in this full pursuit of chasing the Joneses, the white picket fence, the house, the cars, the art and vacations and all of this stuff that um, we're taught are the definitions of success. I wasn't any different. Um, but when I was a kid, as long as I got to do my chores, <laughs> as long as I did my homework, my mom and dad pretty much let me just run. And run I did. You know, I would finish chopping wood or whatever it is I had to do around the house and poof, off into the woods I went. And I would stay gone for hours. And let a, if it was a Saturday, I could be gone uh, 12 hours with no problem, 
So, the street light came on. So the street light came on. <laughs> and we didn't even have a street light. So imagine <laughs> that. <laughs> but but that connection was severed, um, uh, voluntarily severed uh, by me wanting to pursue what the definition of success was. And it wasn't until we started camping and we kept going into these forest areas and all of the things that I did when I was a kid for fun uh, started becoming fun again. And it was like, my God, I am like, just like I was when I was 11 years old. And I'm like running around collecting wood and who would have thought, you know, picking up sticks. You want to see something funny? I tell the kids at a campsite that they're going to go and pick up sticks for the fire. That's and their job. That's their job. And watch how long they do it. Um, They'll pick up sticks all day. All day. All day. <laughs> <laughs> and funny enough, as an adult, I didn't mind it either, you know, because I was connected to my inner child. And all of those things um, were born out of being out in the presence of the wilderness. And through those quiet moments of after the wood is built or the fire is built, um, and I could sit back and see the uh, uh, the benefits of collecting all of the wood by this beautiful forest, I mean, this beautiful fire that we have. Um, and I could reflect on the day. Those then became longer moments of reflecting on conversations or uh, inner trauma and um, um, things that I felt like I could heal within myself. And those periods, I wanted to stretch longer and longer. Um, and that's, that's, that's essentially once I realized that my inner child was really in the forest mm -hmm. and I needed to connect with that child as much as I could. Mm -hmm. And I think just to add to your story, I think some of the things that Nakota did as a kid that may have been work, he talked about busting wood, you know, splitting wood. That, that was one of Nakota's chores growing up. And even before we, we started camping, Nakota would go home to Martinsville or Horse Pasture, Virginia, right outside of Martinsville, and he would chop wood for his dad because there was like this, this connection, you know. Yeah. Um, it just wasn't work. It, it, it became not work. Sturdy. It's, it's one of his jobs that he loves to do now when we go camping. But <clears throat> one of the more recent times we went home, you and Nakota and his dad, they had a conversation. It's like, oh, you're getting worked up, boy. You better go out there and bust some wood. It's like <laughs> it was it was a way to process emotions, you know, with when um we were kids, I had two sisters in the house, and it was, you know, you couldn't you're a boy, you cannot fight a girl kind of thing. And, but you know, siblings fight all the time. Right. But Nakota being the oldest, you can't fight your little sister. You cannot <laughs> fight your little sister. You know, it, it it ends badly for me if I end up in a fight with my sister. So, you know, the my dad told me very simply, if you get to that point where you where you feel like you need to want to fight, take your butt outside and get that axe and go and bust some wood until you get tired. And that was what I would do to release that kind of uh, negative emotion. Um, and now as an adult, um, I found more uh, productive ways, long walks and things like that, that help me to process uh, emotions on a daily basis um, to keep me balanced, you know? Mm -hmm. But those are, the, those are some of the things that I think um, I get when I spend time um, in forced therapy. And I, I, I couldn't imagine that any other people or any other person wouldn't be able to find some type of reprieve from doing similar stuff. Mm. So, Nia, what was your 
relationship like to the outdoors as a child? So I grew up a very different child from Dakota. I was more of a suburban teetering on the edge of rural type kid. You know, I grew up on a dirt road, but it wasn't super, super rural, but it definitely wasn't suburban either. You know, it was a dirt road. Spent a lot of time outside, but it was more for work and chores, you know, raking leaves. When I was young, my grandfather, he had a garden in our backyard. So we all grow up, go outside and uh, work in the garden. We would play, I would play with the neighbors, you know, across the street. And then I ran track as a kid. So pretty much every single day um, from March until August, I was outside every day because I had to go to track practice. Then on the weekends, we had track meets. And I would say that's when, that's when I developed the affinity for travel just because we travel so much with the track team, um, all within the United States. But, you know, as a young Black kid in the South, you know, I can say I was very privileged to have those experiences. And I always had dreams of traveling. Met Nakota, he had some of those same dreams, dreams and aspirations. So what we said when his girls, they got older, we wanted to travel the world. This is just something we always said. And we never knew how we would do it until we discovered camping, which led us to overlandings. Like this is a way that we can affordably travel the world and see everything that we want to see. Um, and so for me, Nakota grew up with an amazing relationship with the outdoors, whereas mine, it was still a little a little more disjointed. I went outside more for an activities, not to find peace. But as I got older, I'm a pure introvert. Okay. I am an introvert. I love to be by myself. That's one of the things I found that I, I really enjoy about outside. I enjoy the quietness. I enjoy the calm. I enjoy being able to be alone, you know, um, and it really does put me in a very peaceful place. Sonia Nakota created Staples and Tents to increase the diversity of the outdoor adventure travel community. They do this by redefining and challenging the typical narratives and imagery associated with the outdoor adventurer. In summer of 2020, the New York Times published a series entitled 2020 is the Summer of the Road Trip, Unless You're Black. This series was published after the deaths of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, and Ahmaud Arbery. And while white travelers may argue that the dangers of the repressive Jim Crow era have passed, it doesn't take much to realize that these dangers still exist today. Police brutality, as well as the racism and bigotry justified and normalized by the Trump administration, brought a different level of concern as Black travelers even considered venturing outdoors. This was clear to me as I zoomed into one of Sonia Nakoda's recent workshops entitled Overlanding While Black. And so we delve into how Sonia and Nakoda, via Staples and Tents and Black people off-roading, are doing their part to heal collective trauma and bring healing to the overlanding community. I think it's very interesting in the way that nature has allowed you or facilitated a healing process for your relationship. And I know that you've also lost family members and that you've gone back to nature to as a way of healing the loss of your sister, of your nephew. And a couple of weeks ago, was it like maybe a month ago that you had the workshop on overlanding while black, I think was the workshop. And it was also very interesting to see the comments as the workshop was happening, because there is a lot of just inherent trauma in people trying to 
make a decision about whether going outdoors or even becoming overlanders is something that is within a possibility for them, right? Um, especially, I think a lot of the comments from people who are your followers was a lot about after the last administration, presidential administration, that things have really shifted in this country in terms of the way that you experience the outdoors. And so I'm wondering if we can talk a little more about the way that through staples and tents, through, you know, off-roading, how you're helping to kind of heal, right? That individual and collective trauma that people may be feeling within the BIPOC community in terms of just getting outdoors. That's a great question. That is a great question. So I think you're absolutely right in terms of the Black community, there's a lot of trauma associated with being outdoors. You know, historically, since we were enslaved people, being outdoors um, has been traumatic. It's been a space where we've been chased, hunted down, and killed. And when a lot of us think about the outdoors, that is the space that we live in. Don't go into the woods, because don't go, you know, where no one can get to you. No one can call you. Just don't go because it's not safe. And I think the reality is more so since the last administration, the country, the country doesn't feel safe, you know? So we really try to get people, we really try to encourage people to not live within the fear, to step outside that fear because it can, it can control you, you know? Yeah. Don't let the fear uh, uh, control what your actions are. You know, um, there's healing in those woods and not all other people, there, there's been a collective change in um, um, what the rural experience is. You know, I grew up in the rural South and, you know, it, I think it might make me a little bit more comfortable than other people who aren't accustomed to being in the South would be. Uh, but for me, in saying that we're not subjecting ourselves to the fear of where we're going, we recognize that when we leave this country, we're going to have to travel with that same type of vulnerability. And that vulnerability needs to be exercised even now. Um, I, I know that when we go out there, um, that there are a litany of things that could possibly be a threat. And I have to make my peace with it uh, because I know that what I'm out there for is for my own health, my own growing, my own healing. Mm -hmm. um, what, I, what I encourage people to, to do when they go out there is to focus on the moment, um, not the conditions, not the environment, not the weather, not the area of the country that you're in, but what the experience is that you want to have. Mm -hmm. um, make sure that you brought out the right gear for your experience, um, for whatever you can afford. And then after you get everything set up, try to make sure you have time, quiet time, um, where you can really take in the forest or whatever area you're in. You know, when we first started camping and all the way up until I think, when we went to Alabama, oddly enough, um, and it was one of the more uh, traditionally, it was a uh, Ku Klux Klan hotbed. And we were in this area and it was the first time that we turned off the music 
Um, normally we almost had the music going um, from sun up to battery dead. And for whatever reasons, this place was so beautiful and tranquil that it was like, let's just turn the radio off. And when we did, we could listen to the wind and we could listen to the wind come from afar. Like it, it had to be about a mile away. You could see the wind um, blowing through the trees and we were like, here comes the wind, here comes the wind. And then it would blow through us. And it was an amazing experience. And from that moment, we started listening to our music less and enjoying the symphony of the forest more. Mm -hmm. um, and now wherever we go, um, we try to make sure that we have, you know, we have the music pumping when it's time to pump, when you want to get the energy up, but to have those moments where we really do take in the environment and what nature has to offer there. Yeah, because <clears throat> I think as historically traumatizing as the outdoors has been, there's so much good in it that I think we have to look at the good outweighing the bad. And if we can just get past our emotions, our feelings, and truly, like Nakota said, live in that moment, be in that moment, and allow yourself the space and the energy to heal will be, you know, such, um, such better people. You know, there was a time when um, we were all connected to the earth. There was a time when there were the, the first TV was a fire. Right. <laughs> you know, and it wasn't until, you know, you think about it, but TVs didn't really get going until the 20s or 30s, you know. Um, and before then, everything, all family events, whether they were births, deaths, marriages, um, friends getting together, all of it, if it happened at night, there was certainly a fire going. And somewhere around the age of technology, we became more and more distant from it to the point where it was just absent in our life. Mm -hmm. And now there's this push that says, no, go back that way, connect back to your ancestors, the entire planet, you know, I mean, the entire planet can find that kind of peace and calm, um, the uh, collective celebrations and grief processing that takes place by a campfire yeah and you know now we are as a as a country you know as a world we are in a place where you know stress levels are high all the emotional turmoil is just is deep you know since we've lived through COVID for almost two years now it is just a really tough time that the days are long and the years short you know <laughs> And I think we're at a place where we almost don't have a choice but to reestablish the connection that we have to the outdoors in order to find peace and healing. You know, it really is um, a coping mechanism, as Nakota would just say it. Get outside and do what makes you happy. What makes you happy. Yeah. If you were a kid and you like riding bikes, go do it. Want to climb a tree? Go do it. Find that person, find that, you know what you, you know who you were as a kid. And, and if you didn't have those things when you were a kid, but you were curious about it, try it. Yeah, you know, it's very interesting. You remind me a lot of um, something that Jose had said in his interview. Jose Gonzalez, the founder of Latino Outdoors, would said, yes, there's healing in nature, but we also have to be so careful about the way that we 
tell people to go experience it, right? Because there are some people who've gone through so much trauma and in outdoor areas that you have to create this supportive community or network of people when you are experiencing it, right? Especially when people are getting their feet wet and going outdoors. And so let's talk about all the good that you're doing with Black people off-roading and staples and tents and all of the ways that you are working to create that supportive community through workshops, through campouts, through all of these things that you're doing. Yes. So we started Staples and Tents in 2016. Um, We were on one of our many camping trips that year. That was the the very first year we started camping. Um, I want to say we were in Cloudland Canyon, which is a Georgia State Park, celebrating Dakota's birthday. And we were like, hey, wouldn't it be cool? We should share all this stuff that we're learning. We should we should share that information. So shortly after that trip is when we created our YouTube channel. Um, It was so goofy. (laughs) <laughs> it, it it was it was very goofy, but that's okay because it was we're we're very goofy, <laughs> authentic, <laughs> authentic. So um, the very first thing we started we started was our YouTube channel, which is really a source of education um, to learn about gear, to learn about places to camp, um, what to do, what not to do, because. A key part of going outside and being successful is knowledge. Just like you said with Jose, you have to be very careful. You can't just get out there. You know, you don't want to go camping in 20 degree weather with a 50 degree, you know, sleeping bag. So um, one of the things we really try to do, like I said, is educate people what gear to have and how to do it so that you can truly be successful. Black people off road, we actually started in 2000, um, right before the election. 2018 or 2020? 2020. 2019. 2020. I said 2000. I'm sorry. It was a year that ended in a zero. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we started Black People <laughs> Off-Road in 2020. It was right before the election. And we went out off-roading with a mixed group. Um, typically, because there aren't a lot of black people or brown people that go off-roading. We have some really good friends that just happen to be white that we would go with. Um, but this particular week weekend, there were a couple more guys, black guys that wanted to go because they wanted to learn. <clears throat> like, we were up in the foothills of uh, Tennessee. Yeah, we're right outside of Chattanooga. And because of the climate during the Trump administration, everyone, not just the black people, but also the white people were super uncomfortable. The white guys, for just for lack of a better term, <laughs> the white guys we were bit that we were with, they were so uncomfortable that they bought guns, like they bought arsenal. Like an arsenal, <laughs> several guns, you know, because they one, they didn't feel comfortable because I'm assuming that in their circles, they knew what the um the potential was for violence. Yeah. Not that they necessarily thought it could happen but they understood there was a potential for violence and they wanted to be safe and they also wanted to protect us you know so it was noble they had one they had noble intentions but through that noble intention you know we came back and recognized for what it what was really behind it was a degree of fear for all of our safety based on whatever experiences that they were having that were absent of us. And from that moment, we were like, we needed to become a beacon 
for other people, um, whether they were whatever ethnicity they were, um, to let them know, hey, we're out here. Um, Black people do walk the road. And if you are an ally or BIPOC and you feel like you're having to be quiet around in these other communities because you know they don't see your color or they don't see you uh, and who you really are, and they say things that you don't necessarily agree with, then you have a community here um, that is more reflective of what we wanted America to be mm -hmm. or what we were told that America should be. Mm -hmm. So that was the, um, um, the birth of Black People Off-Road. Right. And with Black People Off-Road, we really work to increase the representation and <clears throat> highlight highlight everyone you know BIPOC as well as allies yeah. um, that are you know down for the cause and encouraging diversity in the outdoors because what we recognize is that it can't just be us you know there has to be a community and everyone has to look out for each other yeah. so that's Black people off-road yeah. and then with Staples and Tents um, and Black people off-road we also recognize that we needed to create a space for people to come together to learn you know everyone doesn't isn't like us everyone doesn't feel comfortable going out in the wilderness by themselves so we created the gathering and the gathering is a weekend of camping and workshops designed for the experienced camper the novice camper and the person that's never camped before to come to safe space learn from people so that you can be successful when you go on whatever your outdoor adventures are. So we held- And to meet each other. And to meet each other, to, to, grow, to help grow the community. And after we had our first gathering, um, October 22nd through 24th of 2021 of, of this year, and it will be an annual event. And one of the things that we didn't expect is for such a strong community to form. Yeah. Um, immediately after our event, we had people who met at the gathering to drive cross country with each other. You know, yeah, total strangers became friends. Total strangers became friends. And it was so amazing because both of these gentlemen, we, we met both of them two weeks prior. So it's not like they were friends and we introduced friends. It, it was just people coming together with common interests. Um, and it yeah. was beautiful. Yeah. It was beautiful. So the goal is to um, create more space um, for people to come and learn and grow and meet each other, as well as host, the, um, host virtual events like the one that you spoke about, um, camping and overlanding outdoor. We won't be doing one for December, but monthly we'll be doing um, live discussions, either just Nakota and I or bringing a panel of people together to talk about different subjects overlanding camping outdoors as it relates to um, diver diversity and equity and inclusion in outdo outdoors. The joy of overlanding is not necessarily the destination, but in the day-to-day -day journey. It is a journey that brings you to a deeper understanding of the connection between humans and the more than human world. The intention is always to finish each leg of the journey with utmost respect for the land, human, and non-human kin alike. Therefore, intense preparation is required for this type of remote adventure travel. And so I asked Sonia and Nakoda to share their top five tips for overlanding. And given the cultural immersion aspect of overlanding, 
I asked them to share a healing practice that they've come away with and or incorporated into their lives as a result of learning about different cultures through their travels. Read. <laughs> Read. It, uh, if you're getting into overlanding, uh, you really do have to become, I think, educated on type of vehicle, how vehicles work, um, and then you want to uh, figure out how to build them out. Then you need to also figure out navigation routes, where people are going, why, how, and where, uh, when. And um, what else would you recommend for overlander? Have some deep pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and I would say, if if it was someone that was interested in overlanding, I would say the kind of the not necessarily the complete opposite, but the opposite of have deep pockets. I would say don't get caught up into what you see on Instagram and in YouTube videos. You can overland in any type of vehicle. There's a, there's a there's a guy that I just became acquainted with. I cannot recall his name, but he is overlanding in a Prius. In a Prius. And he has a winch wow. that comes out of the Toyota symbol on the front. And I watched him winch a, a, winch a, a gentleman out um, um, just the other night. And it really does speak to overlanding isn't necessarily about the vehicle. So yes, I, 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 will, I will walk that back. Um, it's about the experience and you can roll in whatever it is that you got, you know, and just so we're clear, overlanding also includes bicycles. So people mm -hmm. overland on a bike or a motorcycle. So, you know, it, it really is one of those, what do you feel like is gonna get you there? and then go out and start you know don't don't as she said feel compelled that you got to go and buy all the things because you don't yeah. what you really have to do is go and have all the experiences yeah so thank I, you for that thank you for that comment. you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome so i would say don't try to keep up with the joneses run your own race essentially don't feel like you need to have everything i would also say um get some training, you know, whether it be, if you want to off-road, get off-road training because it's, it's dangerous. Just like rock climbing, you're not going to go and try to summit Mount Everest first go round. Start on small trails and, and build to that. Join then, communities. Then that was the exact next thing I would say, join communities. The overlanding community, because it is so broad and focused on experiencing other cultures, I'm not going to say that there's no racism in overlanding. That would just be too big of a statement. But what I'll say is that people who are involved in overlanding are typically more global citizens um, and they think about things differently. Counter that the off-roading industry is more it's more sport. You know, what you would off-roading is more what you think of when you see people driving Jeeps through the mud, going mud and a rock crawl and something yeah. like that. The culture is a little different. Very different. And I think, and, and yeah, it's just what she said. Um, overlanders are more global citizens. And I think through the aspect of traveling and you can't have firearms in other countries, so you immediately are vulnerable and you recognize that you are a minority in another country, I think your behaviors over time change and you start to recognize the human experience uh, for what it really is and that you are part of humanity. And you tend, I think overlanders typically higher, have a higher 
empathy uh, threshold um, than people who don't travel as much. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think, I think that was like my, the third thing on my list. <laughs> but if I could say um, another thing, and I think this is whether you're overlanding, whether you're hiking, learn how to do whatever it is that you do responsibly. You know, don't go overlanding with a vehicle that's leaking oil. Don't run over trees. Learn how to do it responsibly, as responsibly as you can. And then I would just say, get out there. You know, you don't have to drive to the tip of South America on your first overlanding journey. Drive to a different state and go camping. Drive across the country and go camping. Um, Do whatever you feel comfortable doing. So explore within your own comfort zone. But I would implore you, if you are going to um, jump out there to start experiencing just our own country, that you try to experience other cultures. You know, this country is made up of a lot of different people. Um, I I would certainly recommend um, going out to see the Denai, um, the Navajo, um, and really trying to understand what their culture is. You can have those type of experiences in our own country. Mm -hmm. Uh, And yeah, grow in that way. Yeah. What has been for each of you at least one healing practice that you have come away with or maybe incorporated into your life as you've been immersing yourself in those cultures? For me, meditation. Meditation has been really big for uh, all the reasons that we're we're told that we should meditate. Um, There's a connection with the breathing that brings you into the presence of your moment um, and the process of removing thoughts um, that distract you from focusing on your breath um, is also very centering. Uh, And that centering connects you spiritually to the universe. So I am a huge advocate of meditation. Um, And then for me, the physical um, practice of that would be yoga. I don't do it as much, uh, but Uh, Yoga is also breathing through physical um, exercises, if you will, uh, that are or postures, uh, salutations, I believe is what it's called. And when you go through these uh, uh, different poses and you are focusing on the breathing, there's that same type of centering that occurs. So uh, that's been one of the biggest gifts that I've learned from culture exploration, exploration. Yeah. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah. And I wish I had a a nice eloquent answer. (laughs) I really do. But to be perfectly honest and perfectly transparent, I am horrible, Brenda. I am horrible with self-care. I'm, I'm just horrible. You know, my idea of self-care is sitting on the couch watching a Hallmark movie (laughs) and there is nothing culturally hey there's nothing culturally immersive or that you know and yeah just nothing I'm horrible I wish I could say I wish I could have a better answer as we come to a close what's next for Staples and Tents and black people off-roading what do you have coming up so the the next move 
you know, after we um, settle up whatever business um, that we have in the city, we want to go ahead and start the process of um, overland. You know, um, we're trying to come up with a route now. I think it's. And I'm sorry, when Dakota says overlanding, um, he means full time. Like we are going to start traveling, leave our home, and become full time nomads. Um, that's what's, what's next for Staples and Tents, and we're going to be sharing and documenting the process of wrapping all of this stuff up in Atlanta and transitioning onto the road um, and everywhere that we go and see and the people that we meet. Yeah, and then we're also um, working on the next gathering um, and where those experiences are going to be um, so that when we plan the gathering originally, um, we wanted it to be something special and we feel like we need to make sure that whatever the next gathering is, um, that it is equally enticing and soul satisfying for the people that come to it. Um, the, 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 the people that came to the first gathering, oh my God, they, they really filled us up with joy. They drained us physically, <laughs> but they filled us up spiritually. And um, we really want to honor um, what that moment was. And I don't know that we could ever create it again, but we certainly want to, um, we will not be satisfied with not trying. So we want to keep doing that. And as much as we can keep highlighting other um, BIPOC and allies who are doing the same thing, because we realize that a large part of um, of what we do is increasing representation. You know, it goes so far for someone else to see someone else that looks like them doing what they love to do. Yeah, yeah. And if you want to follow along on that journey, um, all of our social media accounts are the same, staplesintense.com, our YouTube is staplesintense. Uh, and you can also follow us for Black People Off-Road, um, that's on Instagram, one word. Join us, join the journey, add to it, bring your whole self to it. As we close out our time around this digital campfire with Sonia and Nakoda, they answer the fun five and leave us with some words of wisdom to guide our healing journeys. What are your favorite three things in nature and what does it tell us about you? I like the ocean. I love the wind and I like the wind blowing through the trees. I'm gonna say those are two separate things. <laughs> and what I would say that tells about me, what, what I think those things say about me is that um, I enjoy simplicity. I appreciate simplicity. For me, fire, wind, water. Um, those are the grounding elements to who I am uh, and I find that when I take the moment to relax and uh, let go to each one, I'm able to uh, become a better person. Which of your ancestors would you most like to meet? Ooh. Uh, I don't have, you know, I don't have a strong connection to my ancestral past. Um, I would love to meet my great grandfather um, on my father's side, uh, his name was Kenneth, and um, I would love to know whether or not uh, 
I am his wildest imagination uh, coming to fruition. Yeah, Nakota has the t-shirt. Um, my, my ancestors' wildest dream, a great answer. Um, like Nakota, I too do not have a great connection um, to my past. I know both of my maternal and my paternal um, grandmothers, and that's probably as far back as I can go. But I think I would love to meet that ancestor that made that first journey from, from Africa, um, just to know what was going through their mind and why they fought so hard to make it, you know, why, why they didn't give up. How would you like to spend your elder years? Travel. Yeah. And you know, I guess when I think of elder years, I'm going to be like my, my grandmother at 99 years old. <laughs> I don't know how much traveling I'm going to be doing, <laughs> but I have always, since, since I met Nakota, I've always envisioned myself growing old with him. Um, I don't know if, you, if you've seen the, the Pixar movie Up, um, the little old man, and he dreamed, he had dreams of growing old with, with, his, with his wife. That is not our story. That is, that is <laughs> no, that's, that's not our story. That's not our story. But um, I, honestly, um, I want to spend my days growing old with him. Aww. today you you were so cute. tomorrow I might say something you better, different you better pack your bags and you'll be chopping wood <laughs> right you better pack your bag oh you do if you could choose to give all human beings one virtue what would you choose introspective honesty being real with yourself um, and recognizing who you are but more importantly who you are not is the beginning of a path of reality. And I think I would want to give everyone the ability to um, forgive with ease and allow grace. You know, um, I think so often we, we overly internalize um, when we are wronged and it, it makes us um, stagnant. It makes us stagnant. So I think if we had the ability to to easily forgive, then we could we could go so far. And then just allow people grace, you know, when when something when they offend you or something happens. What space and place most dramatically influenced your life? Space and place. Okay, 2018, North Rim of the Grand Canyon. Not only was it beautiful. Um, it was an amazing journey to get there. And it was a moment where I realized how great and insignificant I was at the same time. Yeah, that was, that was a pretty amazing moment. Um, I think on that same trip for me, um, when we got to spend some time with the Navajo, uh, the Denai, uh, I really was taken back by um, their connection to nature, to their ancestors, and the degree of respect that they had um, for their environment and each other. And uh, it, it, it really resonates with me even today. Amazing. Thank you all so much. Well, it's been such a joy. You're both awesome. You are inspiring. And what party words would you like to share with our listeners to help them in learning, unlearning, or relearning how to center healing in their lives? Start with a long conversation over time. 
you know, the, the process of healing is one of introspection and it doesn't have to be day one that you figure it out. It is a process. Take your time with yourself, but do spend time with yourself and try to ask yourself big questions um, and find those places that allow you to have that moment. Mm -hmm. And I would say do the work and invest the time nothing comes easy and healing is one of those things that definitely doesn't come easy. You can't just say, I want to heal and be healed. You have to be very intentional. Like Nakota said, self-reflect and seek, seek professional attention, <laughs> you know, seek professional help um, to help that healing and do your best to move forward. If you can get outside, find a forest, you can find a park where you can go and convene with nature, take your shoes off, uh, plant your feet into the ground, um, and really try to breathe in that moment. Mm -hmm. That's where your connections to the place. Yeah, you know, things that we used to do as kids, run around in the grass with no shoes on, you know, we take for granted those things, and all of those things help root us and connect us. Um, to Mother Nature and Mother Earth, and we need more of it. Thank you both so much. And, you know, it's not lost upon me that it is nature that brought me and you together, Sonia. So I, you know, you were the first person I've met at the camp out and the last person, if you think about this, um, I think the healing circle was the last thing we did at that camp out. And it was how I ended my time there was being partnered with you. So it was such a beautiful moment. It was a beautiful moment and I will never forget it. And then you brought me to Nakota. So I, you know, have mother earth to thank for that. And thank you all so much for just being such positive light in this world. So thank you both so, so much for taking the time. Thank, thank you. you so much. Thank, thank you, you for having much. us on and um, giving us the space to share this story. We really appreciate you. In February of 2021, Nakoda published a video through the Staples Intense YouTube channel entitled Ultimate Self-Care Solo Camping. With the help of Sonia, he was in the process of working through and reflecting on his fear of camping alone. As I watched the video and listened back to our interview, I realized how camping and overlanding for both of them is really about tapping into their inner child. Have a listen to Nakoda as he closes out a night of solo camping. I thought it would be dope to come out here and take a look at the uh, constellations and see which planets were aligned with the moon. Some really cool stuff out here. When you're doing self-care, like you should be open to like exploring different parts of yourself that you remembered that you really liked when you were a kid. Like, for real, like try to connect with that, with that dude, like, and feed him. <laughs> I always wanted to be an explorer and just go and see. Like, I always knew it was gonna be hot, like super duper hot or super duper cold but that it would be like totally worth where I, why ever 
I chose to be there. And I feel like a lot of my life now is moving towards that, where I'm going to like these really dope spaces that um, used to be closed off to me, that I always felt intimidated about going to see. I always have felt intimidated about being a part of. And I don't know where it came from. Slavery. <laughs> Everything goes back to slavery. <sighs> oh, but I feel like I'm free. I feel like I'm free. If only for a minute. The experience of overlanding, the isolated, remote, beautiful, yet arduous day-to-day -day journey is much like our healing journeys. It is full of unexplored spaces and places of ourselves that demand they be traveled with vulnerability and compassion for ourselves and each other. For Sonia and Nakoda, the journey to saving their marriage and becoming full-time nomads has been a long one. But in the process, they have learned to acknowledge what really matters in life as they have worked and continue to work through the trauma, the fears, or as Nakoda would say, the good, the bad, and the ugly of being human. As we start a new year, think about being in conversation with that inner child, that part of yourself that has been present since conception, and some, including myself, would argue before conception, and all the years after from infant to toddler to child to adolescent. That child brings with them a spectrum of lived experiences, emotions, and wisdom. Through quiet contemplation, we can begin to acknowledge that our inner child holds the map and knows the trail to the peaks and valleys of our inner world. And so this year, as Sonia would say, run your own race, but run it alongside that inner child. Grow together in your own way. Thank you all so much for listening. Thank you all so much for sticking with us through the entire episode. In the show notes, you will find the website and social media handles for Staples and Tents and Black People Off-Roading, information on overlanding, and other materials referenced in this episode. To remain connected, please follow us on Instagram at underscore yourhealingnature or email me at info at yourhealingnature.com. Lastly, I'd love for this podcast to be as collaborative as possible. Therefore, BIPOC community, if there's a topic, theme, or guest you'd love to hear from as it relates to healing trauma in the outdoors and are rethinking the outdoors, please let me know. Mil gracias. Until next time, keep walking in sunshine. Every day I'm walking in sunshine.